0: Hi and welcome to Rich in Relationship. And today we have with us Emily Davenport from Davenport Creative Arts Therapy. How are you today, Emily?
1: I'm so good. Thank you, Rich, for having me. It's appreciated.
0: And Emily is yet another new friend, new pandemic friend who I only know virtually. This guy could go on forever. Like even when things get relatively normal, it's a great way to meet people. So the question I love to ask people is before you tell us what creative art therapy is, how did your heart lead you into this work?
1: Mm. So a starting place for that that question. It's it's so interesting because it's It's a simple question, yet such a deep, big question at the same time. So I love that complexity aspect to it. I think that, you know, I I was naturally always a deep feeler, an empath, um, if you shall say. So I was always interested in other stories, standing up for other kids, advocating for other kids um, while growing up. and interested in how other people like express themselves too. So, that aside, um, I think I had a natural inclination for the field of psychology.
0: Sorry, my phone's no talking problem. at you. No
1: problem. I think I had a natural inclination, interest in psychology. Um,
0: and, and how did how did that connect with art therapy?
1: Yeah. So, so, so like
0: you're, I get it. You're an empath. You have deep connections with people. It's super cool.
1: Yeah, so on on the other end of the spectrum too, I always used art and took a lot of visual arts electives in um, middle school, high school, and from a little person too. I was always creating, writing poetry, making art, and it was such a helpful tool for me. Um, And frankly, because I was diagnosed with some dyslexia, and I wasn't too great at school, I never thought that I could be um in the field of psychology that just never crossed my mind um that I could be able to achieve that. Um so I leaned into my other skill set which was um visual arts and mm-hmm. and got a degree in um illustration communication design um at, at Pratt Institute but but yeah, soon Pratt.
0: I'm a fan of Pratt.
1: Yeah it's wonderful school and and soon realized too though that it wasn't um there's something missing it was like that that other part of myself that really wanted to help other folks and and have these deep connections was missing in my art degree so i took as many psychology classes as possible to prep for a master's in art therapy and that's what i did after pratt i went um to nyu for a masters in art therapy.
0: like what the hell is art therapy like you know i think people first of all i think when people think about art they think about they think about painting, sculpture, maybe drawing and you know if they're really broad-minded they might think about music and dance right But I think typically when people think about art it's it's in a really small way. And then when you think about art therapy, you know all I can think of is kids finger painting. So what what which is I'm sure not what it is. It might be that though, I'm sure that's not all it is. So tell us what is art therapy and and why does it work?
1: So that's such a great starting place. Um, Everything that you said, Um, can be a mode of art therapy. So everything from drawing to sculpture to even finger painting. However, um, it's the intentionality behind it. So art therapy is um, a a professional master's level, um, they're master's level mental health professionals that happen to have training in psychotherapy and therapeutic art making. So art therapy is essentially, if you condense it, it's um, a form of psychotherapy using creativity and art making, um, as a tool, um, for all intents and purposes. Um, so it can be used, um, with, with children, adolescents, adults, older folks. It really depends on, um, the career path that you choose and the folks that you choose to work with.
0: And what is it about art therapy that works? I mean, why would using a creative mode or venue help people in the therapeutic process is probably a better question.
1: Sure, yeah. So it's, again, I think this is something that we as art therapists are um, struggling to come towards, using the right words to really clearly define it. And this is um, like an interesting thing that that comes up in the community too, but on many different levels. So first, it, I believe it's a type of, of, body-based modality. So there's continuing and emerging research that trauma, anxiety, depression, doesn't just a hundred percent live in your head. Right. So there's, there's body-based symptoms of anxiety, right? So your heart can be palpitating. For sure. There's body-based symptoms of depression, that feeling of heaviness, that feeling of, um, mm-hmm. Um, lack of motivation, um, and similarly, um, having a broken alarm system and the amygdala being activated in in trauma um, is very much a bodily experience. Mm-hmm. So, basically, adding art in therapy uh, is a way to rewrite your story and to deactivate um, the sympathetic nervous system. If I'm mm-hmm. getting nitty gritty, um, and it's a way to also get in your body and in the present moment to create something. Cause this is really about the process of creation and not so much the outcome, right? So it's a way to externalize emotions, stories. Um, yeah, so it, it, I'll leave it at that for right now and I can absolutely throw in little other tidbits too but I think that's...
0: That's a, that's a lot. That's a lot. So let me speak to that a little from, from the someone who works with almost exclusively people who are triggered uh, and who experience what's called an amygdala hijack. So what I think I'm hearing you say is that uh, when people are under high stress, a part of their brain, the part that's always looking for danger, is activated, and when that happens again and again, you can get sort of stuck there. And that art therapy can art therapy can be really beneficial in sort of going from from red down to you know yellow down, eventually down to green. And uh, it's a, a great vehicle for um, what am I? What's the word I'm looking for for deactivating that kind of triggered, scared, angry, blame process
1: absolutely because you activate a different part of your brain when you make art so again it's 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 this idea of
0: oh i get that all right so hang on so for our audience like when you're in that triggered state you're in a part of your brain called your amygdala which emily and i referenced and uh studies show that when you do mindfulness meditation and prayer that takes you to your cerebral cortex what part of your brain does art does art creating take you to
1: a couple different parts, but it's it's really interesting that it primarily is bilateral parts. So it really mm-hmm. connects like the two different parts of your brain. Oh, and, that's
0: super cool.
1: Yeah, especially like so. There's there's literal techniques that we use called bilateral drawing, where we will put um, art materials in both hands to stimulate um, different parts of the brain, which is a great multimodal way of processing trauma, processing difficult emotions. Um, but to, you know, to answer your question too, um, you know, I, I think we're talking about, you know, the ability to decrease cortisol levels, increase serotonin. Can, can we speak to the audience for a second?
0: Sure. Because so, here right now, what's happening, folks, is two professionals are having a conversation about something that's really cool to them. So what, I just want to touch on that bilateral <laughs> thing for a second. So what what many people know and some people don't is that one part of our brain tends to be? Uh, um, you correct me if I'm wrong, because you probably know about more about design than I do. One part is more rational and directive, and the other part is more creative and intuitive. Have I got that right?
1: Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and I think now there's so. That,
0: so there's... What, what our therapy does is it, it's connecting those two parts, and we you know we seem we tend to we seem to live in a very, uh, right now a very rational. Rationally dominated society, emphasizing intuitive less. So, what's how? What's the benefit of bringing those two things together?
1: Right, right. And and there is emerging research now that it's a little bit more intertwined. But the benefits, specifically of what you're saying, um, is that it allows you to access different parts of yourself and different parts of the story. So it allows you to experience a visceral moment of, for example, pride or joy, or um, even a felt sense of like accomplishment, being able to experience something differently. So for example, if I were to possibly um ask you to, to process a difficult memory, right? So we could find ways cognitively of refra- reframing that difficult memory. If we visualize that and put that on paper, we have a literal like imprint of imagining a different scenario, imagining different ways of relating to that experience. And we can literally use the artwork sometimes as a transitional object to, to even put up in our office to bring home with us as a, a way of imagining something feeling different in our bodies and literally too. love that
0: so that sort of goes that sort of supports the whole thing of the idea of vision boards and and promise boards which sounds really kind of woo way and mystical but actually what's going on is when we start play, manipulating images in any way you know whether it be cut and paste or drawing it or when we manipulate images anyway we're processing what where we want to be and where we want to go and by having that in front of us it's a reminder not only of the actual process we've been through but the direction we're moving to
1: absolutely absolutely Very cool. absolutely and it's a form of play too i think that um there's a misnomer that art therapy is for kids and or um more of like a geriatric population and it's it's really um it can be so accessible for so many folks because so many folks forget to play and they don't give themselves permission to play and you know in in our organization i think that's that's part of the barrier that we try to cross with them giving yourself a permission slip to to tell your story in a different way to play
0: yeah the uh, recent article i read showed that this whole work at home thing has actually led to people working even more uh that, that they're they're working more hours because their lives are less compartmentalized by going to the office and and coming back and so that the opportunities to play as a result have been lessened what is the benefit of play versus working even more and i, I let, just so you let me just throw this in there are studies that show that once you work a certain number of hours, like, I think it's, I think it's, uh, 45 or 50 hours, your productivity drops pretty dramatically. So that, you know, there, there's definitely a problem with working those long hours because you don't get as much done, but what are the benefits of actual play?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I love that, that question. I think that, um, specifically you know i'll just use this i mean it's it's kitschy but it's like you can't pour from an empty cup right so i used also the metaphor of having a computer with so many tabs open um there's only a certain threshold that each of us have and the ability to um to take uh, even though i don't like the term self-care break because it i'll just use it for right now i can't think of a better word but the ability to take um self-care break and really to connect because oftentimes we can go out our entire day not realizing like by the end of the day oh why does my stomach hurt Mm -hmm. why does my head hurt have i been holding my shoulders like this the whole entire day and then we feel our bodies physically feel the effect but we're not consciously aware in the present moment of what's going on so also using art as a tool to really connect and pause, even for thirty seconds, and say, "Wait a second, how, what's going on right now?" And you can do that with color, shape, and line doodling really easily.
0: So art therapy is a form of play. It's a way to relax. It's a way to connect our the, our the two sides of our brain that sometimes are we're, we're are in conflict or that we maybe we weigh in on one side more than the other. It's a way to Obviously, to release um, triggers and getting out, getting out of being triggered and being stuck, and I, I something you said that I keep going back to in my mind. How does that relate to storing? And you've referenced it a couple times. How does that relate to, relate to storing feelings in parts of our body? Right. How does art therapy help us get in touch with that and release that?
1: Right. So there's, there's a couple different ways to address that question. One is specifically, um, there are certain art directives where you almost trace like a body outline and you pinpoint with color, shape and line where you feel certain emotions in the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But literally being able to physically like use the body in a therapy too, um, is a way to mindfully like recognize, first of all, like, what is what is going on inside of me, if we can't change what we're not aware of. So Uh it's using art is a way to not only regulate our emotions, but regulate our body, right? So if someone's coming to me, and um, they're feeling really tense, and they might be scribbling really hard, like, what would it be like to um, have a soft line for a minute? What would it be like to slowly make a circle if you're needing more containment right now um so you're physically embodying and practicing what it feels like to step into a different state of mind if that makes sense
0: yeah oh that's very cool so you're creating you're literally creating that state of mind that you might want to step into
1: Yes. Or even it, it sometimes, yes, that's one option. And sometimes it's, it's also staying with where you are and noticing what that's like without reacting. Mm-hmm. So that's like another way too. like, so expressing anger with words. Yes. Expressing anger, um, using, using art therapy, using, using the artwork too. Like, what would that look like? So it's just really another vehicle to externalize and not keep all our emotions locked inside our body because that's when we get sick and our bodies try to tell us in many different ways that they need alternate resources.
0: Yeah, a, a lot of the people that I work with, particularly in the divorce sphere, um, are have some areas where they've been storing frustration and fear and uh, it's I've never really considered art as a, as a way to go at that. You know, Typically what we do, we'll do is we'll do my, sort of closed eye guided meditations uh talking them through and where right, so where do you locate that in your body and every time they have a place that it's located in their body and everybody's you know it's usually here or here when it comes to fear or anger or both um and there's all, there's kind of creative visualization exercises I've done with them that helps them to Sometimes what's happening there is they've got a part of themselves from an earlier part of their life that's trying to express themselves. Uh, Let's say, maybe when they were six years old, there was something that was going on again and again and again, and that that part of them is always looking out for that pattern because it's afraid of it. And sometimes um, identifying that where that lives in their body, that personality, if you will, even though it's still them, it's like it's not like it's a separate personality. It's more like them at a certain age, yeah. identifying that and identifying how that's associated with that feeling and visualizing and putting a name to it. Actually, I'm just thinking about that. That's actually a creative process that we're doing, it's, even though it's not art. But I could see how taking that to the next level, of, draw a picture of that person. You know, What colors do they use? Uh, how big are they? How small? Draw a picture of them and you. You know, You could really have a lot of, through what you're doing, you could really have a lot of fun, like they, as the individual who's experienced it. You could have a lot, a lot of fun and learn so much about yourself in the process. I'm, I'm super. This is something I'm super interested right here is the creative process itself. So, how does the creative process sort of meld the emotional? Um, the not just the emotional, your unconscious, because really what we're talking about when, we t- when I talked about that long thing about people identifying a part of themselves that maybe is interfering with their lives today, that's really about exploring your unconscious mind. Thoughts, feelings, ideas, and beliefs that have sort of that aren't your part of your day-to- day experience, but are in there. How does creativity help us to unlock our unconscious mind and to better understand, um, the parts of ourselves that may be keeping us from moving to that future we want to move to.
1: Right, right. And, and, I, and I love that question too. I think that part of it is because it's, it's not exercised as much as verbal therapy. So a lot of us don't exercise that creative way of expressing ourselves. So in and of itself, um, I feel like it's an unaccessed resource. So when we tap into that, for example, um, oftentimes I will give folks an exercise of just with color, shape, and line. I'm sorry, there's a little bit of background noise. <laughs> it's that kind of day. Um, with color, shape, and line, even express, what does anger look like? Sadness, joy, resilience. and. Being able, again, because we're talking about the process of it, being able afterwards just to be able to put emotions on the paper, pause, and then look and reflect because the, the reflecting process after the art making is so important too. What is, what what came up for you? And so many times people are like, oh my goodness, I had, I had no idea how much that, um, I downplay anger or, or that made me remind, you know, that reminded me of a time that, um, you know, that I had trouble um, expressing sadness or this is something I need more of in my life. It's really like an awareness of like, ex, uh, I'm sorry, it's an exercise in awareness of, of what's not being tended to in in that different way. So I hope that answered it a
0: little bit. Yeah, no, uh, that, very much so. I, I think, so let's just talk, for the lay person, since most people don't have an art studio, right? And uh, it's an effort, a mission to go out and get clay or whatever. Um, for the, uh, le- the lay person, what are some simple creative things they can do that will help them? I mean, obviously they won't have the benefit of a ther- an art therapist to help them guide them through it and, or help them interpret it or really challenge them to look at it. But what are some simple things that people can do, creative things that people can do to help them explore?
1: Yeah. One might be um, what what am I feeling right now? What is arising? So first of all, labeling it, and then putting it onto paper. So if that, so I would just give people like a piece of paper, and there are these wonderful um, cheap pastels that you can get that are just a couple dollars, and even expressing with color, shape, and line. You know what does what does that look like in the present moment? Like how. How can that convert to the paper, we do a lot of like mindfulness based um, art therapy techniques because I think being able to anchor to the present is so important. Um, another one if you're if you're needing some containment can be tracing around a big circle like a coffee can or something, um, and simply tracing within I'm sorry coloring within inside that circle if you're needing um, some more containment there. Um, or to feel a little bit more peace and centered yourself. So you basically want to mirror like whatever you're needing um, within like an art experiential. There are no big rules, right? If you're feeling incredibly stressed out and overwhelmed, that wouldn't be the time to get into maybe watercolor paints immediately. So keeping something simple, keeping it contained. The Um,
0: risk is always self-judgment too. Right. Oh, I'm not an artist. That? I'm not, like, that's my class. I'm not an artist. I'm not an oh, artist.
1: <laughs> so, so yeah. So I would say so. So rich, like, where else does that dialogue come up for you in your life? So right. you're not an artist. So what does that mean?
0: I'm a bullshit artist.
1: Oh, <laughs> I okay. got a
0: golden shovel. Yes.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so that it, but it brings up our own sense of self and schema right? Because yes. it's, it's not about, it's not about making pretty art. It's what do you about think,
0: what do you think about mind mapping? You know, as I, a creative I, process.
1: I think it's interesting. I don't know a ton about it formally. Um, but there's, I think we're using certain elements in that of like mapping where you are and like Very stri- much
0: so. That's what made me think of it.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Now, um, so, you know, for, for our listeners and for you, So mind mapping is a process where you work out an idea by, um, you might have the central idea. Let's say the central idea is uh, vacation time. I've got a vacation coming up. Vacation time. And so, oh, what do I, but I really want my vacation to be awesome. And there are all these other people involved. So what's, you know, so you have maybe one thought strand that's about what's awesome about it. I want to go to the beach. I like the sand. I like, eating sushi. I like lobster. Oh, time with my family, really important. And then there's another one might be, oh, uh, my wife hates the sand, (laughs) likes time with the family. Uh, She really enjoys cooking. So, you know, it's part of what's going to make me happy is having those other people enjoy it with me, not just. So in that mind map, I play out all the ideas and all the possibilities. So it's not creative in the sense that you're, you're making, well, you're making a map, that's what's creative about it but there's usually words in it but you can also do mind maps with images um that's kind of what a, like a vision board is like is uh what's the future that I want oh I want a house on the lake I want three children so you put an image of three children I want two dogs and so that would be like a way of collaging uh, the, the mind mapping with a col- in a collage form yeah you know, and those are those what you were describing reminds me a lot of that.
1: Yeah, I can see the intersectionality there. Absolutely. And, and I love, I think the commonality too is imagination. Like, can you allow yourself to imagine a different story to imagine what success looks like for you in the moment?
0: And I, I think the point is that we are all creative and we're all artists. I am not just a bullshit artist. (laughs) I am, I can't believe I used that word on my own podcast. Oh my God, you know, but um, actually it's a belief I had about myself for a long time is that I didn't have any real knowledge. I was just kind of spinning stuff, you know, and over time. So like, that's actually something I've worked on, you know, just audience. So, you know, that's actually something I've worked on. Uh, And so, you know, these beliefs that we have, I'm not an artist or I'm a certain kind of artist or whatever you know, it's about getting that we're all super creative. We're all creating all the time, is the truth. So like- Everything we speak is creating something. Every act we take is creating something. It creates. Uh, inter- it creates reaction. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. It's a basic law of physics, it's also a law of relationships. And that through exploring your own creativity, as Emily has been teaching us, we can learn more about who we are, what drives us, what we want, what's what we think might be in the way and how to get through that. Super cool stuff. I think we could talk about this for hours. The (laughs) last question that I ask everyone on the show, uh, but before I ask that question is, the question I asked before the last question is, Emily, how do we find you?
1: Oh well, I am right here in, in Midtown Manhattan, two blocks from Grand Central. Um, we also offer teletherapy all across New York State, and we send out personalized art kits for all our teletherapy clients too. Oh, very cool! you have um, in-person and teletherapy options.
0: And who are who are good fits for the kind of work that you're doing?
1: Um, to, uh, to I would me- think
0: I would think everyone.
1: Every, absolutely, everyone. But we specifically, and our team, um, specifically tailor services to tweens, teens, adults in their 20s and early 30s. Um, the really transitional times. Of course, we're always in transition as, as people. So it's
0: exactly the opposite. It's not geriatrics and small children, but the people in between.
1: Exactly, exactly. So that's, um, we've been really loving to, to to work with those folks. And, and what
0: kind of things are they working through with you typically?
1: um anxiety depression trauma um uh relationship issues um feeling uh feeling overwhelmed going through tons of different transitions
0: Got it. Um,
1: yes i mean you anything around that scope specifically we we love working with people with um harsh inner critics low self-esteem and that really want to find their voice in themselves
0: and your website is
1: oh yeah so it's
0: davenportcreativeartstherapy.com da-
1: yes that's right
0: and so that's d-a-v-e-n-p-o-r-t and the word creative the word arts plural and therapy.com yeah
1: and that, of course so
0: that'll be in the notes for the show awesome. so you know all right <laughs> now that question that i love to ask people at the end of the show is what is the legacy you want to leave behind
1: oof, <sighs> I have so many, <laughs> but maybe one of them that I would love to really focus on is to really increase the accessibility and um, yeah, accessibility to high quality, creative arts, integrative therapy. Um, so to have so many more, you um, institutions and practices where creative arts therapy just becomes so normalized, where um, anyone is able to integrate that if they want to, and if it, if it serves them. Um, so really to destigmatize um, creative arts therapy and open the doors for more people to explore it, because it's, it's really astonishing, um, I think, what, what some of us can accomplish. It's really exciting.
0: You know, I think that has huge value, by the way. I think that creativity and art is so undervalued and it's seen as a luxury instead of as a tool. And the fact is that people who really engage, who consciously engage in their own creativity are more resilient uh, they bounce back from adversity faster and usually having learned from it and grown through it instead of feeling diminished by it. It's it's actually, there's a big piece of being a human that's being denied by this undervaluing of the creative process. So I'm a hundred percent with you.
1: Yeah, I can't agree more. And thank you for bringing that up. I think we're we're all innately creative it's it's when it usually it's like when does that start to get pushed down right through through shaming of art early on and, and what would it be like to reconnect to that and to explore that so i think that's so important
0: yeah my earliest memory i really gotta stop the show but i'm going to tell you my, one, my earliest memory of me and art is i was five years old in kindergarten and we were drawing and next to me Jordan Katz, (laughs) this is how how rock solid this memory is, had drawn uh, a little orange wave beneath a wall and I said, what's that? And he said, that's Woody Woodpecker walking behind a wall and I had drawn Scribble Scrabble and I looked at Jordan, what Jordan made and I looked what I made and I went, I suck. Mm -hmm. And It took me Fifteen years before, I learned that actually I could. I didn't suck. I drew differently than Jordan. That's all, and it was a totally different experience. And that actually I could create some really incredible drawings. Forget about the therapy part, but I think that experience is not unique. I think that people, I think so many of us have had that experience of, oh my God, look at what Jordan Katz can make. I can't create, and right. it, it's it's just not true. It's just that he, you know, we compare how we feel about what we create to what we think uh, about what other people create, and that's a lose. That's a losing proposition every time.
1: Exactly, and how we talk to ourselves. Yeah, it, it really amplifies that how we talk. To
0: just ourselves. decades to wipe that one out. That was like one, just one moment. <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you so much, Rich. It was an absolute pleasure.